Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to my first career Saturday episode of Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and we're making up for Wednesday. I promised you guys unscheduled uh, absence on Wednesday. We're making it up today, and we're going to talk about depth here today on Locked on Dolphins. Good friend of mine, Mark Schofield, wrote about the 11 deepest rosters in the NFL. I want to use that article written by Mark as inspiration to talk about the Dolphins roster in comparison to some of these, to talk about the Dolphins roster as a whole, where we are now deep, where we were not before, what is still under construction, and get into some of the nitty-gritties of of this roster construction that the Miami Dolphins have undertaken throughout the course of their uh, 16-month rebuild, approximately, now that we've seen Two off-seasons under the direction of Chris Greer and Brian Flores. Chris Greer's first off-season, much of the work done was undoing the sins of those before him, namely that of Mike Tannenbaum with the cap management and the contract extensions that were handed out uh, as Tannenbaum served as the VP of football ops for the Dolphins. Chris Greer, quote-unquote, alongside, but technically, I guess, underneath of him as the team's still general manager. But now Greer has total control. And now we have a chance to see what the Dolphins' rebuild has been. And I would say this. Anytime that you can take a single position group, and the Dolphins did this, and it enters the offseason as your deepest and best position, which the Dolphins had at the wide receiver position, and you leave that same offseason, and now that position is one of your least attractive position groups on the roster, you did something right. You did something right, and uh, the Dolphins, Rome wasn't built in a day. They were never going to adequately address every single problem that exists on that roster, and it's okay. We should still be very excited about the growth that we've seen in certain areas, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get into comparing the Dolphins to other teams, I want to talk about where the Dolphins were versus where the Dolphins are now. What are, in your opinion, the three deepest position groups or unit on this Dolphins roster as things stand right now on Saturday, June 20th. If your first answer is anything other than cornerback, I beg you to reassess your position. Because the Dolphins at corner have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, former Pro Bowl players. Noah Igbo, first-round pick, 30th overall selection in this year's NFL draft. Bobby McCain still counts. Eric Rose still counts, even though they're playing safety. Not to mention last year's defensive UDFA darling and Nick Needham. The Dolphins uh, very much embracing the coverage over pass rush approach for where they're spending their money. And there are some interesting analytics that seem to support the proposition that coverage players are more valuable to your team than pass rush players. Dolphins will be a good litmus test of that this year. 
We'll see how many sacks they're able to generate versus how many turnovers they're able to generate and how much more efficient they are in stopping the opposing pass. And, and the many of the players that the, the Dolphins brought in on the defensive front are players that their immediate glaring plus qualities lean towards stopping the run. Interior defensive line, ironically enough, it's a good transition, is another position group for the Dolphins that I think is amongst the most deep in the, the roster. Christian Wilkins, Devon Gottschall, obviously those two guys. I still would have loved to have gotten a raw, like, true nose tackle. We don't have that guy. That's okay. Expect more even fronts. Christian Wilkins, Devon Gottschall, returning starters on this team. Dolphins added a, a fringe top 50 pick in Raquan Davis. Well, I think if anybody's going to unlock the potential that he showed early in his career at Alabama before kind of plateauing, be a Brian Flores type. You saw how excited Brian Flores was to make that selection during the 2020 NFL draft. I think that also speaks volumes. Zach Seiler, free agent, uh, waiver wire addition from the Baltimore Ravens. Super toolsy, developmental kid. I think he's got a great chance to stick on this roster. And then two defensive ends that do have the ability to play the B-gap in Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba. Now, they'll spend their fair share of snaps outside at defensive end. But when you got a guy like Kyle Van Noy and you got some of these athletic linebackers that you can walk up outside of a defense, a down lineman, and let that linebacker serve as the end man on the line of scrimmage, that defensive end is now an interior defensive lineman. He's not on the edge. So I think between the, the game situation looks in which you're going to have an opportunity to see Lawson and Agba play with their hand in the dirt and somebody outside of them, Wilkins, Godshaw, Raekwon Davis, Zach Seiler, this interior defensive line group, based on certain personnel and game situations, of course, is another one of these position groups that jumps off the screen at you as being very deep. And ironically enough, this might surprise you, but if I had to pick the third deepest unit on the Miami Dolphins roster right now, I'd think about quarterback, but it wouldn't be my choice. Ryan Fitzpatrick, incumbent starter, Tua Tungavailoa, number five overall selection. Obviously, we've got depth there. And then a former top 10 overall pick in Josh Rosen. But Tua with the medicals, he's got some questions. Rosen, disappointing to say the least, through his first two seasons in the NFL. So I think there's... There's enough questions that while it's deep and it's got two first-round picks in that group, I don't want to highlight it here. I would highlight the interior offensive line, believe it or not, because I think you've got six viable starters. Are they going to be plus starters? That's yet to be determined, and I don't think all of them will be plus starters. But nevertheless, you have six players that you can tap into that can serve as starting offensive linemen in this group. 10-year mil, or 10 mil a year for Eric Flowers. He's going to start. No questions asked. He will take the left guard position. He's a lock to start. He takes the place of Michael Dieter, who has experience at the college level at tackle, guard, and center. He doesn't have the length or athleticism to play outside of tackle. Guard, center, combo. Okay, so that's two. I'm not ready to give up on Michael Dieter. And in my perfect world, Dieter's getting a chance to compete with Ted Karras, a free agent signing who's on a one-year deal for the starting center role. That's three. 
Jesse Davis has experience at offensive guard and offensive tackle. If he loses the competition to Robert Hunt, he'll play right guard. That's four. I just mentioned Robert Hunt. Many draft pundits, myself included, thought his ceiling's higher at guard than it is outside of tackle. He could play tackle, but he's also a viable candidate to kick inside at guard. That's five. Dolphins traded two fourth-round picks to move up in that round and draft Solomon Kindly, offensive guard from Georgia. Six. Six viable players. And that doesn't even get to the, like, Keaton Sutherland, who from South Carolina is UDFA, who some people really like. Does he have a chance to make the roster? Yet to be determined. But <laughs> that's a lot of depth. There is no shortage of combinations, especially for a unit, that you just want to find the best five guys and get the best five guys on the field and create chemistry. You can literally roll too deep on the interior. That is, that is the definition of depth. And for the Dolphins to invest, remember this? Remember I used to pound the table on this this offseason? Not just addressing problems, investing in problems to fix them and turn them into strengths. That is exactly what the Miami Dolphins did with their interior offensive line. And even offensive tackle, although the depth is not there yet. And that's an important distinguishment to make. One we have to have. Units that are still under construction for Miami. The offensive tackle group is the first one that comes to mind. They drafted Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt in the top 40 picks. That's excellent. Both those guys end up locking down starting tackle spots. Okay. (laughs) But who do you have behind those guys? Julian Davenport, back from last year's team. Arguably, by the way, one of the worst scored pass protectors in football last year. Julian Davenport. That's a hard sell to be your primary backup offensive tackle. Jesse Davis, yeah, I mean, I think long-term he'll be fine as a a depth player in your swing tackle. But in the here and now, he's the most experienced offensive lineman the Dolphins have that they already know who was on the roster last year. Very strong possibility he starts at either right guard or right tackle, and Robert Hunt starts in the other spot. And if that's the case, you can't count Jesse Davis right now as depth because he's going to be starting somewhere else. Who else do you have? There's no one else. So the offensive tackle position is still a spot that's a little precarious for me. Not, not super comfortable there and again. Like we said at the top of the show, Rome wasn't built in a day. Dolphins went out and got two long-term potential starters at offensive tackle. Eric Flowers is another guy who has tackle experience at the NFL level, but he was no good at it. And because he's starting at left guard, I mean, I guess you could play the musical chairs things, but I've never been a big proponent of moving a guard out to tackle where he's going to be worse and making two positions worse because you're going to start your backup left guard at left guard and take your left guard and move him to the left tackle where he's not going to be as effective. The, the less you can have moving parts on an offensive line, the better. So never been a proponent of, okay, let's just take our guard and kick him out to tackle. Okay, because now you've downgraded two spots. Just downgrade the one spot and make concessions in your play call to kind of protect that player as best as you can. Where else are we still under construction? I would not call the safety group missing depth. 
But I would acknowledge that the safety group is missing a player at the top. We knew free safety coming in was going to be a need for the Dolphins. They chose not to go that way. The safety they did invest in is Brandon Jones in the third round, who's going to be a Patrick Chung type if you look at Patrick Chung and how he's been used by the New England Patriots and uh, versatility and, and good run fits and tackling and he plays physical. That's Brandon Jones. That's great. But right now we got Bobby McCain sitting in the high post. And I don't think long-term... That's best for Bobby, and long-term, I don't think that's best for the Dolphins. Brian Flores may feel differently. But I don't know if they, I mean, this team was reportedly interested in signing and reportedly offered Devin McCourty a contract. McCourty opted to go back to New England to continue to play with his brother. Can't blame him. McCourty had a great season last year for the Patriots. He had five picks. But I think it's worth noting the Dolphins were interested in signing a true free safety. Didn't materialize, so they sat on their hands, and, and Bobby's going to get another run at. But let's not forget that long-term when we start talking about how the Dolphins can improve this roster moving forward. But they've, got, they've at least got some modest depth there. Between Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, Brandon Jones, that, that'll be your big nickel group. Adrian Colbert they brought back. Let's not forget this team also signed Clayton Fedgelum in free agency. Depth players, special teams. So it's not that the Dolphins safety group doesn't have depth, but I think the, the absence of a true single high free safety high post makes this position group under construction. The last group that I would call out is the very first group I mentioned when introducing this segment, the wide receiver group. Devontae Parker, massive steps forward in 2019. Repeat performance, we're going to be in smooth sailing with Devontae. But look at the rest of this group. I'm not going to be content to rest on our laurels here at wide receiver if I'm the Dolphins long term. 2020, we're fine. But Preston Williams is coming off a midseason ACL tear. Albert Wilson looked like a shell of himself until the final three, three games of the season and is on a one-year contract anyway. Jakeem Grant has missed six games in each of the last two years apiece and has ended each of the last two seasons on injured reserve. Alan Hearns, kind of a jag at this point. Jag, scouting term for just a guy. Isaiah Ford did well with the opportunities that he had, but he's kind of bounced on and off the active roster. Very easily replaceable skill set, and that's the definition of a jag, just a guy. Mac Hollins, primarily special teams, but when the Dolphins carry this amount of defensive backs, your ability to play gunner gets really mitigated because you got a bunch of dudes that already play defense that can go down and run, run outside and tackle somebody. Fourth-round pick, Gary Jennings. He's a burner. He ran sub 4-4. But he got cut in his rookie season as a fourth-round pick by the Seattle Seahawks. Red flag. He was in very, Miami for a very short amount of time before he got hurt and went on injured reserve. So we don't really know what we have there. But the fact that he got cut is a bit of a red flag. Where's the definitive, like, we're going to hang our hats on this at the wide receiver position right now? It's Devontae Parker. You know, I love the confidence that's exuded by Jakeem Grant. And I love how hard he's working. And Jakeem Grant's a player I want on my football team. 
10 times out of 10. With his speed, he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. But, I mean, come on. You got to do it first. And, and I'm not going to let the potential of those players, and Jakeem Grant has excellent potential as an NFL wide receiver, but he has not done it yet, and now durability is starting to become a question. He's got to do it this year, otherwise I'm going to be ready to bring in competition for the role that Jakeem Grant is going to command in the passing game. You can't let good players prevent you from go out and getting great players. You can't let promising players prevent you from go out and getting more definitive answers. Which is why I know everybody loves a lot of the guys on the receiving group right now. And they should. The promise is high. But what's better than promise is guarantees. Speaking of guarantees, I want to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar. Finally got my order in. My most recent order of Built Bar. Uh, I'm at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. If you have not seen it, I'm hoping the most recent order lasts me more than a week. I got about six boxes worth of Built Bars. So I'm close to triple digits of Built Bars in my household right now. The best protein, protein bar these lips have ever touched. It's a protein bar that eats like a candy bar. No matter what you like from a flavor perspective, whether you like desserts and cakes and chocolates or you like fruit, Built Bar has a flavor that's going to fit your, pa- your palate. And Built Bar, their protein bars have between 110 and 150 calories apiece. Just as much protein as your standard protein bar, but one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar. So it's a very healthy option that tastes great. And as a listener of the Locked On Network, you can use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com and save yourself $10 off your first box. And right now, even if you have already made your first purchase using promo code Locked On, they have a massive sale right now that's going on, getting rid of a bunch of older inventory to make way for a new wave of new flavors. You can get up to 50% off every box. So swing over to BuiltBar.com, find out what all the fuss is about, and take advantage of either promo code Locked On to save yourself $10 off your first box, or if you're a repeat customer, make sure you get on in this, this flash sale because it is well worth your time. And so now, where do the Dolphins and their active roster, their projected 53-man roster, remember the NFL did expand active roster sizes to 55, but those extra two spots are, play, are required to be players that are on your practice squad that get activated for game day on a week-by-week basis. So it's not like we're going to carry 55 instead of 53. We still got to cut down to 53. Where do, how do the Dolphins measure up to some of the cream of the crop? So as I said, my friend Mark Schofield wrote for Touchdown Wire in USA's Today's Wire Network, uh, the 11 deepest rosters in football. The number one deepest roster in football, according to Mark, is the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens are a great example of what we should aspire this Dolphins to team to become from a team building perspective where they can generally speaking stay one to two years ahead of the coming needs on the roster so this offseason for Miami was super easy right because you walked in and you knew this team needed everything so okay let's find good players that financially make sense that we can get front loaded guaranteed money on and let's get them in the building 
They got to fit our criteria, right? They got to be smart, disciplined. They got to love the game. They got to be good teammates. They got to be unselfish, all that jazz. And they found those players Shaq Lawson, Manuel Ogba, Kyle Van Noy, so on and so forth. But what the Baltimore Ravens, teams like the Baltimore Ravens, with this amount of depth, what they're able to do, this was the first year I really remember them having glaring needs on their roster because they let C.J. Mosley walk in 2018, sign with the Jets. Then they had a couple of guys that, that really stepped in and thrived. And then those guys left. Zadarius Smith was another example. Zadarius Smith left, but they had Jalen Ferguson waiting in the wings. And they have Matt Judon, who they've been developing for a few years. And then this team this year replaces, after a one-year absence of C.J. Mosley, drafts Patrick Queen, they bring in some experienced guys like Calais Campbell. I think they got for like a fifth or sixth round pick. And they just churn, right? Instead of rebuild, you retool. And that's, that's not something the Dolphins, the Dolphins have tried to skip the rebuild and retool, but because they were so sloshed up against the top of the cap, they didn't stand a chance doing that. Because you got to overpay to bring guys in, then you got to defer the money that the guys are already paying big money contracts to, and now three years from now, when you're into the heart of that contract and you've deferred the guaranteed money to make space three years ago to bring them on, you, you're stuck with a huge cap hit, so now you got to restructure that to make more room and kick it further down the road. And that, that was the sins of the 2010s for the Dolphins as far as financials and having flexibility to kind of come and go as you please through player contracts. It's how the Ravens do it, right? This is how teams, this is how good teams stay good. So I remember getting through the, the, the Ravens, another perfect example, the Ravens drafted J.K. Dobbins one spot ahead of the Miami Dolphins this year with a Raekwon Davis pick. One spot. I was a little heartbroken because I love J.K. Dobbins as a prospect, but that's neither here nor there. What the point here is, is the Ravens, Drafted Justice Hill in the 2019 NFL draft, and they still had Mark Ingram on the roster under contract for two more years. It didn't stop him from picking J.K. Dobbins because he's a good player. You draft good players, and you understand, okay, Mark Ingram plays a low-value position. Mark Ingram is going to be coming up on the last year of his contract after the 2020 season, in which we won't have a lot of guaranteed money. We can move on from that, no problem, put J.K. Dobbins after one year of experience in our system into that role, not skip a beat. Retool, not rebuild. It's a foreign concept to Dolphins fans because they've not been in that position. They've tried to, but their team has not been in a high enough caliber to officially qualify for it. Mark lifts the Kansas City Chiefs as the second most deep roster in the NFL. And, and here's, here's where it comes into play. You think about the key position groups for the Chiefs. They have an embarrassment of riches where? On the offensive side of the football. This team can boat race any team in the NFL on any given week. And they still use their first-round pick on a running back in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Positional value be damned. This is another concept that the Dolphins and their fans have not had to think about or experience for quite a while, which is doubling down on your strengths. Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill. They drafted Mecole Harmon in 2019 in like the second round despite having Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins. 
Demarcus Robinson, Travis Kelsey, and now this year, nevertheless, first-round pick, let's add another weapon to the passing game. As a Clyde, Clyde is very good in the passing game. He will make a bigger impact, arguably, as a pass catcher in that system than it would what he will running the football. Another good lesson for Dolphins fans is, and listen, they kind of did this. They actually did kind of do this in the secondary. That's the identity of our team. We don't need to spend the 30th overall pick on Igbo. But we're going to, because that's the identity of our team, and we want to have plus athletes across the board. We want to have an embarrassment of riches here so that no matter what happens, if we got to churn a player in or out or rotate players for depth and staying fresh, our, our team is not going to skip a beat in where we are going to hang our hats. It's a great example at 30th overall pick of what, as this roster continues to get deeper, the Dolphins and their fans should aspire to see happen. There's another good lesson here with the third team, third deepest team according to Mark, which is the San Francisco 49ers. Think about what the San Francisco 49ers did this year with DeForest Buckner, who's now a member of the Indianapolis Colts. 49ers, they make the run to the Super Bowl, they lose. They are another team that had an embarrassment of riches. They used four first-round picks in five years or something along those lines on the defensive line, and they brought in D Ford via trade as well. Just an embarrassment of riches between Solomon Thomas, who didn't work out, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa, D Ford. The list goes on and on and on and on, right? They traded DeForest Buckner, despite the fact that he has had a monster stretch. They traded him to the Colts for the 13th overall pick in the NFL draft. And then they took that 13th overall pick and they traded back one spot with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so the Buccaneers could draft Tristan Wirfs and, and in the process probably shut down the Dolphins in any effort that they may have had to go up and get Tristan Wirfs. And then they drafted a player to play the same exact spot of the player they just traded, Javon Kinlaw. Defensive tackle going to step into the reps for DeForest Buckner. The latest example of a defensive lineman in the first round for the 49ers. Why does that make sense? Why was that a sound decision to make? Because from a cap perspective, once teams are no longer playing with monopoly money, which the Dolphins have the luxury of doing right now because they have all this cap space, and they'll have $60 million in cap space next year, so it won't be a problem for them for a while. But as it comes time to start making financial decisions on who you're going to retain for the team. You got to look ahead and you got to say, okay, where is an opportunity for us to offload a player that is going to command market setting money, get a feasible replacement to step into his role, kind of keep this thing chugging along and not have to box ourselves in financially. And you know what? The Dolphins kind of did this, and his name is Laramie Tunsil, because look at the contract the Houston Texans gave Laramie Tunsil after trading two ones and a two for him, $22 million annual average salary per year, which is almost 25% higher 
than the next most expensive offensive tackle contract in the NFL. Think about that. Laramie Tunsil is getting 23% more annual average salary per season than the next best offensive tackle in football. We're running a horizontal spread, quick game passing offense under Chan Gailey. The time from snap to release is going to protect your quarterback and your offensive lineman from extended plays. As long as your quarterback is disciplined enough to get the ball out of his hand, 2.5, 2.6 seconds. You're going to pay Tunsil that for a guy who might give you 80% of the value but is going to be protected by the system and style of the offense that you're running, the way it's falling into place, this turned out to be a wise decision for the Dolphins. Oh, by the way, you got three years of play on a rookie contract for him and then cashed out a player that you picked outside the top 10 and turned that into two first-round picks and a second-round pick. Think about your return on investment. Think about avoiding the long-term cap ramifications of paying Tunsil that deal. And think about how the system the Dolphins are implementing with Tua as the quarterback long-term is going to really mitigate your value as a pass protector to sit back here and pass block for 3.1 seconds. When ideally, the ball is going to be out a half a second sooner, which is night and day. As far as duration of holding the ball in the pocket at the NFL level. The fastest triggers in the NFL last year, ball was out on average in 2.5 seconds. The longest triggers in the NFL were 3, 3.1. So just looking at the lessons from some of the deepest teams in the NFL and seeing that the Dolphins have actually already, despite not being in great position from a roster talent perspective for quite a while, have already called upon and echoed many of the same concepts that you see. Maybe not Baltimore, right? Because the Dolphins haven't had that kind of depth in forever. But the lessons to be had from the San Francisco 49ers in moving a player to avoid the big contract and the Kansas City Chiefs doubling down on your strengths, we should feel great about the direction of this franchise Everything's not going to click. There's going to be players that don't work out. It's the nature of the beast. But you know what? At the very least, we've got a guy at the top of this organization who is using the same playbook as the successful teams in the NFL as far as how he's addressing building his roster. And that's the first time in a long time we can say that. Never mind the picks-by-volume approach, which is how the New England Patriots have been able to sustain their dynasty, is continuing to have more draft selections, more roll of the dice, more bullets in the chamber than every other team in the league. It's a law of averages game. The more you have with a 50-50 split, the more heads you're going to have that flip. Hope you enjoyed this Saturday edition of Locked On Dolphins. This won't be a regular thing, but I owed you guys because I missed on Wednesday. But I had a lot of fun today because I think there's a lot of exciting lessons that the Dolphins are showing they're able to apply from the more successful teams in the NFL. And we should be excited about that. We should be excited about the growth of the roster, turning wide receiver from a core strength 
to one of the weaker position groups in a single offseason, no small feat. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, thanks for listening. Hope to talk to you guys again on Monday.